If you need help building your online presence with podcasts, live streams or recorded video, see how I could help at educationonfire.com forward slash media. That's educationonfire.com forward slash media. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Great to be back with you as always. Today we're covering a topic I don't think we've really covered before in our sort of 350 plus episodes, but something which is incredibly important and I hope gives you some information and some insights into the amazing work that's going on. Now today we're going to be talking about dolphin computer access and supporting the blind and partially sighted people who are facing digital exclusion. Now I'm delighted to be joined by Noel Duffy, Chairman of the Board, and he was awarded the RNIB Lifetime Achievement Award in April 2022 for 30 years work empowering visually impaired people to succeed in a digital world. Now Noel has been the driving force behind many UK and international initiatives that bring low-cost access tech and reading systems to blind and partially sighted people, all of whom are facing digital exclusion. Now he took on the role of Managing Director of Dolphin Computer Access in 2007 and moved to the role of Chairman in 2020. Now in this role, Noel continues to support the company's mission to develop specialist assistive technology for people with visual impairments. Now, along with Noel, I'm delighted to be joined by Joshua Murphy, and he's a testing apprentice at Dolphin Computer Access. Now, Joshua is completing his apprenticeship in software testing, where he is part of the team that conducts a wide range of digital tests to ensure the software operates as it is designed to. His role plays a key part in the business, and his attention to detail and problem-solving skills ensure the company creates an exceptional product. Josh is blind and uses a screen magnification and screen reading technology to access the information on his computer and other devices. Josh is also a guide dog owner, so can usually be found in the company of his guide dog, Horatio. In addition to his work and studies, Josh is a member of the GB Goldball Squad. He will be part of the team representing Great Britain in the IBSA World Games in August this year and has ambitions to represent Great Britain in the next Paralympic Games. So we have some great information and support here in this field, but I think will help everybody who's involved in education and learning from Dolphin Computer Access. Hi, Noel and Josh. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's always great to have a conversation with more than one person. It's, it's great to be able to sort of have that interaction. And I'm really excited about covering a topic which I think we've touched on before, but I'm not sure we've actually spoken about in real depth. So I think this is going to be really, really, really interesting for everybody. So thanks so much for being here. And, and maybe Noel, if you could just start us off in terms of tell us what the Dolphin Computer Access is and, and sort of your involvement in it and uh, give people a little bit of an oversight. Mark, well, thank you for having us. Uh, it's very exciting to be here. Um, I've been involved with Dolphin since 1990. Dolphin itself has been around since 1986. I was managing director for about 12 years, and in the last three years, I'm chairman. Dolphin, as I say, has been around since 1986. We were one of the earliest software companies in the vision impairment AT space. Um, there are only two companies left in that space doing the work we do. Um, we operate in about, well, I guess, 40 countries worldwide. Um, we're, you know, uh, we employ about 40 people in the UK, and we've got 
a half a dozen in Sweden and a few people in the States as well. So we're, we're well spread. Um, we've got two main products in this primary space that I think, I think your audience might be interested in hearing about. Um, one is Supernova. Um, and Supernova has, you know, been available in, in some variant um, since I've been involved with the company, but it's a, it's a different beast now. It's very exciting. Um, to talk about Supernova, I think it's important to talk a little bit about how things used to be done and are still being done in some schools. Um, and I think Josh might reference some of this later on with his experience. But we have, you know, when when we spend time in schools, we come across a lot of A3 documents. You know, the, the photocopier was the best AT tool in the building for years and years and years. Um, and, you know, when you've got a hammer, everything's a nail. So, so blowing stuff up is the answer. It was the traditional answer in schools for some of the classroom materials. Um, and we felt, you know, rightly that there's, there's got to be a better way. So there were kind of three big elements to Supernova that we saw was important. One was obviously the functionality and Supernova deals with the full gamut of vision impairment from low vision right through to blindness. So that's important to be able to, to um, have that, that one tool that helps people because people might go through that, that gamut of, of vision impairment over their lifetimes or indeed during a day as their eyes get tired. So, so that's important. The second thing we feel was that people who are vision impaired in school, um, they they have kind of a personal status and um, level of independence that they would like to maintain as they progress through school. So one of the things with Supernova is that we we add this to I don't know some fairly cool hardware like the Surface Pro, and we put other little bits and pieces with it. So you know, a vision impaired child can walk into a classroom, sit down at any desk in that classroom, and he can connect into the whiteboard, he can connect into the accessible libraries, he can basically be as independent and as able to consume and navigate content as any sighted child. In fact, sometimes, you know, they, they can be sharper and better at it. We're in a world of digitization and it is the best time ever to have a vision impairment if you know what the right solutions are. And the third big element of what, we, what we're thinking about when we design a product is what's your eventual outcome going to be? What do you want to do? And, you know, one of the interesting issues in vision impairment, particularly blindness, is if you arrive at a workplace and you don't have Braille, for example, and you're blind, um, you're probably not going to get a job. 99% of all vision impaired, sorry, all blind people in the workplace have Braille. 
um, you know, people with vision impairments have have a wider range of 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 opportunities. So that's Supernova, and that is kind of our lead product, and it's the, it's the one we're most proud of. We sell in forty countries around the world, um, so and it's very popular in schools. Um, the the second product line that I'd like to briefly introduce you to is a product called Easy Reader. Um, and if it's okay, I'd just like to go back um, 10 years um, to give you a little bit of the history about why Easy Reader came into being. Um, and personally, I think it's quite interesting. Um, we got asked by RNIB and, the Cup and Dyslexia Action and um, the Department of Education to do a survey into what children needed to read cur curriculum material. And this was, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And so, so and I say we, as in Dolphin. So, so Dolphin scoped out this survey, which basically meant us going into 40 schools to find out what the issues were what was actually going on and how eventually could this problem be solved. So um, there's uh, some horrendous uh, experiences by the children um, and some not so good, but there were two little stories that, that I still remember. One was, one was a girl who, you know, when we were, we were speaking to this blind girl and she said, you know, that her teacher kept asking her what size large print she wanted. And she said, I'm blind, can't you see that? And and in some guises, that actually was a bit typical. It's, it's shameful to say, but it was. And the other issue that we kind of saw typified by another story was that we looked at 40 schools, as I mentioned, 22 of these schools had tried to give the children an experience of reading. And 22 of those schools had transcribed into an accessible format, the boy in the striped pajamas and very little else. There was very little else available. So we came away and our recommendations were that actually we needed a central repository that held a good chunk of library content in an accessible form. And we said there needed to be a reading tool to give access to that content to all the vision impaired, but also the, the physically impaired and the neurodivergent children in schools. And the outcome of that study was that today, and this is unbelievable news for you know, all the children with those conditions in schools. There's a library run by RNIB Bookshare, an accessible library that's got in excess of 1 million books available for people in education and some seniors that can satisfy these different conditions. And the reading tool that goes with that, which is a little bit like a combination of Audible and um, the Amazon Kindle uh, is Easy Reader, and we give Easy Reader free of charge to work with RNIB Bookshare and 
40 other libraries around the world. So um, that is extremely exciting from the perspective of a child with, you know, with an issue around reading, whatever that issue is, uh, from, you know, from the last few years going forward. So that's, and RNIB Bookshare is also free. So this is something if, you know, if the, the teachers listening to your podcast today aren't using RNIB Bookshare for, you know, at least 5% of their children, then, then, you know, there's, there's an answer that's, that's there right now. So they're the two big, the two big, if you like, products that we deliver into primary schools. Um, in the future, we're going to be delivering um, a premium version of Easy Reader as well, um, which we'll be charging for. But that's that doesn't interfere with the free product that's there now and will continue to be there. So, so we're excited about that. I, I can really see, and I, th I think what you mentioned there about when you were talking about, you know, what font would you like to somebody who's unable to see that that kind of epitomizes really what I hear education sort of more globally in, in terms of that but we have to teach these things or do these sorts of things in our way and and therefore you have to fit and and that's just a and such an obvious example of no everybody's individual and whether everybody has needs and they still and you have to kind of make sure that we're delivering education in a way that's appropriate and, and and it's like I say, it's heartbreaking and, and unbelievable, really. One of the advantages of being an international company is that we get to see what's going on in, if you like, leading countries around Europe and the States and Australia. You know, there, there's interesting stuff going on in all these countries. So Easy Reader has been developed in conjunction with all of those other countries. And, you know, an RNIB bookshare has been developed again in conjunction with a lot of these countries worldwide. So we're all following the same standards, international standards, you know, we're doing it in the best way possible. So if, I don't know, teachers or parents are worried, you know, about all oh, of this might not work in five years time or 10 years time, they needn't be worried because we're all kind of, we have an international group all working together. And like you say, you know, Easy Reader has been designed to deliver content for people with vision impairments, blindness, uh, dyslexia, you know, so that if, and we have all of these big conditions all pretty well nailed down and it, the, it can be modified and adopted to give that individual experience you were talking about. And, and sorry, the second point I was going to say was the bit about this large print. I mean, if you think that's an exaggeration, partly I was, I was minded to mention this because when I was speaking to Josh earlier, guess what? That's exactly what he went through. So and that's what uh, really, yeah, <laughs> and that, that's all I'll say, practical experience and, and, and knowledge. Um, so Joss, tell us a little bit about um, your role in, in, in all of this and in, in, in how you're sort of involved. Um, hello, so I'm Josh, a software tester at Dolphin. Uh, so my sort of job role is making sure the product is 
as bug-free as possible before it goes out the door. Um, but sort of from a, a background point of view, um, I have a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, which leads to degeneration of uh, rods and cones in, in your eye over, over a period of time. Um, and my sort of uh, experience in, in education was... Um, as as Noel said, like literally every, everything was blow it up to A3 and hope for the best. Um, and I, I, you kind of touched on this earlier that everyone is sort of individual. And I think on a base level, there needs to be an understanding of uh, it, uh, common eye conditions and sort of how they have an impact. So with my condition, it quite often leads to tunnel vision. So something like a, the solution of blowing out to A3 is particularly inappropriate because I'm then having to scan the page as well as trying to actually read font that's just too small to actually read anyway. Um, on on top of that, you know, and then it sort of goes down to a more granular level of everyone is individual. So though I have RP, the result of my condition is I have more of a sort of like a left shifted tunnel vision I guess uh, because I have a little bit of vision in my left peripheral but everything else is sort of very blurry and can't really see a lot so um, so it's it's very much down to an individual sort of level um, so what I then am able to do within within my role is sort of provide some of that um, knowledge of my my experience in primary school and when I'm testing the the products it sort of um, allows me to have a more in-depth sort of know-how on okay if I when I was back in school how could I have used this to help me and sort of eat down to not only just like bugs within the actual sort of product itself but also uh, informing design decisions on on that sort of level of okay well why does this not work um this way because that would be actually more useful and and when when you're talking about sort of bugs and that kind of thing you're talking from a particular sort of software standpoint or as in you expecting this to work in a certain way because that's what you've been told it was but it wasn't working in that way or was it much more in terms of coding um and 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 sort of that sort of technical element well, it's it's both really. Um, so, sort of w when we report a, a a defect, it's it's okay. Well, this didn't work how I expected it to, or this just doesn't work. Period. So it's, it can be a bit of both really. And did you get involved in this having? You used use the products before, or, or was it something new that you sort of came to to afterwards? But obviously, with that kind of personal experience of wanting to support people, yeah. So, um, Easy Read is actually um, a new thing to me. I'd pre I had ed um, experience at college using Supernova uh, because I went to a specialist blind college because the amount of difficulties I had within the mainstream education system that that was the only viable solution. Um, was to go to a specialist um, college. Um, so I did have experience with Supernova. However, Easy Reader, I, I didn't, re I'd heard of, but I didn't, I hadn't had any actual experience using or, um, and it, it sort of links back to what Noel was saying about getting kids to, to read books. I, I think I read like two books in my entire time at primary school because 
that the um, anything that was large font was all aimed at very young children who were learning to read, which obviously, you know, as as I got got through the sort of year groups and key stages, it's just not engaging content that I want to be reading. So I was sort of just left um, not <laughs> not really able to actually read any of any course material or even you know uh, you know uh, stories or novels and anything like that so um i mean that 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 i mean it, i mean i think people can probably identify with that in terms of, of what they've heard and, and, and experiences they might have come across and it kind of just reminds me a little bit about the you know the kind of people if you have a hearing difficulty people just say it slower and louder or, or something <laughs> ridiculous like that you know it's it's that kind of and, and, and i think sort of josh what you said sort of typifies that is that kind of what well, if you need bigger font therefore the stories must be easier or they must be for somebody younger i mean it, it's 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 my it's mind-blowing and and at the same time almost sort of it's just such a failure of what um of, of what's needed to support people and i think that's why i love doing the podcast because it's a way of being able to bring this into people's awareness that maybe they they they, they hadn't been before and uh no, just take us through sort of your experience of how maybe these things have changed over the years and sort of in the time you've been involved. Oh, gosh. You know, when, when I have to say, when I came into Dolphin first 30 years ago, um, and there was a guy called Peter Diamond who, who had set it up, Peter, and, and a chap called Paul Blankhorn as well. And Paul had just left, and Peter was 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 there, and he took me for a walk around the building, and and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I mean, it was literally like watching a magic experience because, I mean, computers weren't ubiquitous, you know, like they are today. And when I came into Dolphin at the time, everybody had a computer on their desk, and um, about a quarter of the people had a vision impairment. And I was watching these guys zipping through stuff, and I'm thinking, and and one of the one of the the if you like uh, most magical things about it were these people using um, speech synthesis speech synthesizers, and they were turned up to 600 words a minute, so it sounded like just a flat sound, you know, like this little. little and I had no idea what was going on. And these guys were reacting to it and moving on to the next thing. So so there was this, if you like, immediate benefit from digitization that was there. Um, and thankfully that's still there. But but since then, um, you know, I've, I'd probably refer to the movement of information. So the way easy reader, people are able to hook in to the library and either download newspapers or books they're interested in, whether they're recreation books or, you know, or textbooks for a particular subject area. Like the movement of information is so instant. And the other thing is that somebody who's vision impaired today, um, he can get, he can walk into a classroom and be the coolest dude in the classroom. He's got the coolest kit, 
and he's got it working in a way that everybody else in the class is thinking, how come he can get it on his laptop and I can't? You know, it's it's that like it's it's moved so far in that regard. Um, so it's you know it's it's 2023, and if there's one group that have benefited from digitization, it's people with vision impairments. So. I'm delighted by that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really, really, really key. And and Josh, could you sort of explain in the same in the same way from your experience? Because you obviously have grown up in a in a way where I guess computers have been available to you for most of your sort of learning experience. But I guess as we know, it these things change on a on a almost like a weekly basis now. So cer- certainly in your sort of education sort of lifetime, in terms of access and in terms of how how these things have been able to be supportive or indeed supposed to be supportive but but actually not in real terms yeah so obviously um i mean i i've had sort of a a very unique educational sort of timeline because i when i started primary school it was sort of 2005 um computers were sort of mainstream but they weren't like you know you had your your home computer but that that was it like not everyone had a personal laptop or anything like that um so my experience in primary school with computers was extremely limited because i could what I struggled with most was seeing and tracking a mouse cursor because it's so small and it's, you know, um, with sort of the delayed vision sort of aspect of my my condition, I just I couldn't track a, a cursor on a screen and there was no accessibility software. And, well, there was, but I wasn't aware of it and nor were anyone who was supposed to be assisting. Um, so, and then that sort of evolved throughout uh, primary school and uh, eventually when when i hit secondary sort of laptops were a bit more u- ubiquitous so um, they tried um, these sort of like cameras that would bolt onto the side of a desk so you could sort of zoom in on the whiteboard which is uh, sort of i guess it was sort of a stepping stone to what we now have with uh, connect and view where you know you can just have the, the camera on the back of the surface pro which will just you know you can see the the whiteboard in a far higher quality than this big bulky thing ever could um and then, sort of, as I went into college, yeah, as I say, you have more, sort of, um, a lot more personal laptops with cameras that can can actually be able to sort of zoom in on these things and access them a lot better. And even like pocket technology, like you know, your, your smartphone, where you can have Easy Reader on it, and um, you know, it, it, education is sort of throughout my life, it's gone from having to have people with you to be able to do things and relying on others to uh, be able to do things to that that sort of um, extra bit of independence and um, every little feature sort of helps and even things such as sort of the development of OCR and even now AI is taking it a step further where you can now you don't need your LEA to take four weeks to adapt a class um, piece of material because you could just run it through a piece of software you can do yourself um and it's just sort of the as as sort of uh, just sort of double down on what noel said like the digitization of everything because has drastically improved the experience you can have um it's still still work in progress but, um as i said i'm an apprentice and when i started my apprenticeship i had um talks because they were refusing to send me the powerpoints in advance of any lecture um and they did this 
person who I was communicating with did not understand that a screen reader can't see through Teams and that all it sees is an, is an image. So there's still there's still room for things to be improved, but it's it's so so much better because to even get to a point where you're having the conversation of oh can you just send me that file that and you know and I will be able to access it from from here is something that it just would have been unthinkable when I was in primary school. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that I mean, this this really makes a lot of sense. And and I think for me, the the sort of the biggest takeaway so far is this idea of awareness and and how much that spans sort of a whole curve of that you know from that kind of i need to support somebody and i don't even know where to start you know i'm just going to make an assumption about what's required and do it in my own way as opposed to maybe i don't have the support or the knowledge that i need but where do i go you know is you know is dolphin the first thing that's on my mind when i'm thinking about these things i'm assuming that that may be not the case <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it should be you know um yeah. And, yeah. and 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 I, and I think I think that's really 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 key. And and I mean, there's a whole other podcast about AI and and the way that can come into things. But I think having the conversations in the round like this would open up is the fact that people have got preconceived ideas of what that might look like and how it's going to affect people. But in that purely so positive action about how a life can be transformed and has done it literally in the space of the last few months because the options in the and how quickly things can be adapted and how you can like you're saying you, you can get the resources you need in a way that you need to without waiting for a third party to help you i mean that's sort of life transforming like you say it's, it's like i said almost overnight but of course these, these things have been coming for a long time but as soon as they're in the mainstream and people are aware of them then that's gonna gonna really make a such a massive difference yeah, and and there are just to kind of add to what you're saying, Mark. You know, the, the power of conversation is is really valuable here. If like when people are going into new situations, like going into primary school for the first time, or moving to secondary school, you know, or third third level or work or whatever, these are transitional times that fill people with concern and worry and. Um, you know, there's a, it's, it's a bit of a scary time. And I mean, we have a little tool on, on our website that can help have these conversations. And usually if they're done with somebody who knows what they're talking about, um, it can trigger the right kind of conversation pieces for a conversation with your teacher or Senko or you know whoever you're you're worried about i'm um, engaging with um and it's, it's it's a useful little tool just to sit down be my be my best self just to sit down with somebody work out what it is you think you need um there's some resources on on the site to go with it as well um that can help you just move the conversation forward so that yeah. might be useful to people yeah absolutely i think that's it and, and like you say having have, having an idea of what you need and how you want to go about it like you say starting with those conversations it's what's key for all of us um but i think certainly like you say when you feel under stress or under pressure or concerned about these things it's uh, an added level of support when you know that you know how to get that sort of moving in the direction that you'd like to i'm always keen 
especially when people are involved in education to know if there's a, an education experience or a teacher or something which um, has had an impact and also how that then sort of almost gets reverse engineered into into the way you show up um, in, in education in whichever way that happens to be. So, uh, so Noel, is there something which has had an impact on, on yours? And it could be positive or negative because they, they, they all have an impact, don't they? Yeah, and mine actually was probably a negative one that, that stuck with me for years and years. Um, I, I, as you might tell from my accent, I grew up in the west of Ireland and um, some of the practices, the teaching practices back then were quite arcane. Um, but we had a, we had a, a geography teacher uh, who used to make us read aloud in class. And there were a group, and it just so happened they were all farmer's sons. And these guys were as bright as buttons if they were talking about agricultural machinery, you know, the level of technical detail that went into. And I used to hear them chat away before the class started. And the teacher would come in, and his, his way of trying to improve their reading was to make them read aloud in class. And it was torturous and it you know and dyslexia didn't exist back then like this was this was back in the 70s um but when i began to work particularly on easy reader and that survey that i spoke about earlier i was really mindful of that and of all the things that stuck with me from my school days was the memory of those four guys being made to read aloud and feel so humiliated by the experience. I was thinking, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, with the right tools and tech, this could be sorted. So so there you go. That's probably not what you're expecting. <laughs> No, no, but but absolutely so incredibly appropriate, like you say, because to have something which has so much impact, and and I think, like say, the negative can sometimes be stronger than the positive because you, you sort of have an internal feeling which is pulls you in a direction of I don't want that to be repeated, and and that often is stronger than the kind of oh this worked really well I'm going to see if I can replicate that in my way. I mean they both have a a place, don't they? But I think one definitely can sometimes have more of a pull than the other. Um. Josh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, or indeed is a maybe a piece of advice you give your your younger self now looking back? Um, it's it was um, once I was I was told to pick your battles, and um, I think it's a very important thing to to understand, like what, but draw, especially when you're visually impaired and you're trying to establish what what you actually need to to actually work and what what is more of a I wouldn't say I want, but like establishing where your sort of line is of this is what I need and understanding that that's, that's the hill I'm going to choose to, you know, metaphorically die on is, um, it's, it's been crucial to me sort of developing. And uh, I mean, I, I wasn't told this until I was sort of like 16 cause I, you know, I'm, I can be quite a, a fiery personality and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like being told no and uh you know I think it was it was very important sort of especially sort of as I started um, going into higher level education to know what battles to have with these people and to establish okay well this is this is what I need so I I will do this and other things can can be put on the back burner um 
I think I think that's great advice, and and I think also, <laughs> as as we've alluded to already within the education system, that there are, there are certain ways that people think which you find in, would be incredibly hard to change their perspectives or or their understanding of it, and sometimes, like you say, it's worth having those conversation in those battles. But also, if you know a little bit, um, like you said, Noel, in terms of what is it that you're trying to achieve and how are you going to try and get there and what are those conversations you want to have because then you can influence yourself in a positive way and then I think how you then show up for that next battle or that next conversation is going to be one which is going to make more of a, a difference in the world. So yeah, I think that's a really great advice. Um, Noel, is there a resource that you'd like to share? And it can be anything from a video, podcast, film, song, it could be personal or professional, but but something that's had an impact. Oh, uh I'd probably say uh, that the High Performance Podcast, um, is, people might know, say, Jay Humphreys um, from from TV. Uh, he does, does some of the football on BT. Um, but he runs a podcast with a guy called Professor Hughes, and they take success stories and they drill back through their career and what's what's interesting about the format is everybody that's a success story today has had challenges yesterday um, and you know any parent particularly of a primary school vision impaired child um, you know this there's, there's going to be little trials for these guys over and above what lots of other children endure um but but i know from and you can see from seeing people like josh speak here um these guys come out the other side and they're fantastic you know the guys we have working for us and have had working for us over the years come out as fantastic human beings after having you know oftentimes tough times in early school and and the parents want to do the best and everything but the high performance podcast i think is is a really interesting one for anybody to listen to yeah i i couldn't agree more yeah a great recommendation and we, and we will have links to all of the things that we're chatting about today on the show notes as well so people can can click through as well and finally josh um, the acronym FIRE is incredibly important here, obviously, education on FIRE. And by that, we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What's the thing that strikes you when you, when, when you hear that or any, any initial thoughts? Um, it's, it's the resilience part, primarily. Um, I mean, I, I do take a lot of inspiration from, um, you know, as a visually impaired person, the sort of content I listen to is, is music. And I do get a lot of inspiration from uh, different songs and uh, but it's it's the resilience it's the the having to just as as a visually impaired person keep sticking at things keep trying different things until you find something that works um, because as as we sort of spoken a lot about here is that there are solutions particularly now with the way things have evolved and moved forward and it's just you, you have to you keep keep going at it uh, and and the, there are solutions um so it's, it's primarily the resilience yeah I, I love that and i think also 
that's such a key point that there are solutions out there whatever you're looking for whatever you're trying to do it might just be that you've not come across them yet but it's like you say as long as you're prepared to keep trying keep going back um digging into what you said before about you know what are the conversations i want to have what doors are they going to open and how can i kind of take the next step and how that looks for me is going to be something which is going to be important and uh, and as we know it's it's often the journey which is the, the the key part of this rather than the final solution as well so well thank you both for just for sharing your story of, of, of what is a, obviously a fantastic organization and, and a great community of people that are, that are working within it. And I really hope there are lots of people listening who, if they haven't come across Dolphin before now can go in, have a look, find out um, more about it. And, and hopefully there are lots of people within the, the system that can actually have immediate support and access in a way that they, they may not have done before. So um yeah, thank you both so much. And and Noel, just just say that website again just to make sure that we've got it clear for it's everybody. Your dolphin this is dot com and that's uh, slash education. So this is it'll take people straight to the education part of the site. Perfectly. Thank you both so and much. I really, keep, really appreciate your time. Keep up the good work, Mark. Take care. Thank you. Cheers, thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.